Hey, what's up? It's another episode of Film Streak, and my name is Rob, and the thing that I do here is I talk about some new movies that I've watched. And as you know by now, it's not necessarily new releases. It's just stuff that I've been meaning to watch, maybe I've put off, maybe I've ignored, uh, maybe I've just never even heard of. So that's a big thing for me, is I just love watching movies, and I'm going to talk about them anyway, so let's just do it here. So it's a little bit of a personal challenge. If you haven't heard any other episodes so far, that's okay. But look, we're in the high 200s now. That's a lot of films I've watched. I did start out watching one every day. That didn't really work out so well. I mean, you know, other things happen in life too, right? So um, I've tried to do my best to keep this thing going and uh, just always watch something that's new, something I've never seen before. That's the goal. That's what we're doing here. All right. So this episode, um, it's pretty packed. I've got a lot of films I want to talk about. But before that, if you want to find some other episodes, you want to subscribe maybe or sign up to get uh, new episodes, go to filmstreak.com. You can find links to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and so on. Uh, You can even sign up to get them directly to your inbox. Just make it easy for you. Why not? Right? Also, I have a film streak list on IMDb where I'm keeping track of all of these films. And now we're over 250, so it's a big list. It's got a lot of films in there, but you can use that to see um, you can see where they're showing, if they're streaming, or, or if they're even in theater still. Um, you can even find um, information. You can rate them, add them to your watch list, whatever you want to do there. So IMDb is kind of my go-to place for it. There's a little bit of stuff that I have done with Letterboxd, but IMDb is where it's at, really. So, all right, that out of the way, let's get into the episode. Okay, first up for this episode, Film Streak 260, Sick. Where's your mask? This isn't a vacation, it's a quarantine. A quarantine in style. This is incredible. Sick. And it's all ours. The only neighbor is miles away. I thought you were spending quarantine alone. What are you doing here? I wanted to see you. And quarantine can be fun. Mary. Jump in, water's fine. Who is this? I don't know. That's creepy, Parker. Now, I remember when this film came out. This is from 2022. It's directed by John Hyams. And, uh, you know, really nobody in the film uh, that that I can recognize from anything else. So the main thing then is this film can at least focus on the plot and the premise. And this is a film that clearly is going to be a marker in time for anybody watching it, especially in a few years from now, 10 years from now, let's say, uh, because this really is in the middle, in the height of COVID, in the the pandemic, and it's all over the first half hour of this film of you seeing in the background, you're seeing news reports about the infection rates and masks and social distancing and even the 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 run on toilet paper. That was a, a, a little bit of a point in the beginning of the film. And uh, you, you see that it's going to be, it, it's interesting now to even look at it. I mean, just being 
three years removed from that whole point in time where the world kind of came to a standstill over this virus and what do we do about it and what's going to happen. To look back on it now, it almost seems like it wasn't real. I mean, even in the moment, right? This is only a few years ago and all of us can remember, it's like, this feels so strange. This feels like something out of a movie. And to look back at it now in a movie, it feels like, did that really happen? Like, did it, did it really play out like that? Like, were we that freaked out about it? And not to say we shouldn't have been, but it shows at least um, that sort of mentality of, of that point in time in the world, which is really crazy to think about now. But this story is set up basically in that moment And we have a couple of characters that are in college and they're looking to get away to quarantine uh, just to be safe because uh, it's, it's at that moment where we're not sure, like, how does it spread? Who can get it? Who can't? Uh, How dangerous is it? If you do get it, all that stuff. So these two characters, uh, Parker and Mary, they decide they're going to go to a, uh, it's like a cabin or a lake house one of their fathers owns the house, so it's isolated, it's empty, there's nobody there. But uh, it's quickly kind of interrupted by other things that start happening, other strange events. And I feel like that premise alone, like just that setup, that's that can make for a pretty interesting story. Where I think this film starts to get into a little bit of trouble, I guess, is... It starts to turn, it gives you like real like scream vibes. You know, even the very first, uh, let's say 10 minutes or so of the film, you're setting up a a character who, uh, I don't remember, I think his name is like Tyler or something. And it almost seems like, oh, this is going to be our main character. This is who we're going to follow through the movie. But that character gets killed right away by a mysterious person in a in a like a mask or a hoodie and uh gets stabbed uh and it's like playing with like phone messages texts of like who is this person and i don't it it's just there's a lot of parallels conceptually to scream and ghost face and how that all works even down to the end of the film when we start to figure out okay who this is and why this is happening uh, it gives a lot of scream vibes. And I wouldn't even necessarily draw that conclusion so fast if it weren't been that I've seen two more scream movies since the pandemic. And it just kind of draws the parallel even clearer of, oh, yeah, 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 this is exactly that kind of story, that kind of film. It works in a thriller sense. Uh, once it gets into the whole uh, reason for it, uh, it's it's a little dicey. I mean, I guess it's at least trying to make a, a statement about the sort of paranoia and the uh, the fear that we're probably going through a lot of people's minds in that moment in time. It, maybe even say, well, it's like what would push people to fanatic behavior over what's right and what's wrong to do in this situation, like in the world? I guess. I guess that's a fair point. I think it, to kind of cloak it all in this slasher framework, uh, I think that's a little bit, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit clumsy. But overall, I mean, I guess the film is its its trying to make a point. It's trying to do something. I just don't know if it really lands. Other than the, the idea of like setting this film at the height of a, a very specific moment in time, to be able to look back on it, after some time, after some years, it might be a really interesting like time capsule. But otherwise, the the rest of the plot and and things that happen, I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to work so well. It's not really a recommendation. I would say maybe pass. I mean, I'm sure there might be some other films that uh, tackle this moment in time, the pandemic and the reaction to it. Uh, there might be some films that actually do that even better than this. And have maybe a little more to say. Um, But if you're interested, I think I saw this on Peacock. It might even be an exclusive to Peacock. So maybe that's something you want to check it out. All right. Let's keep it moving. 
Okay, next up on Film Streak, 261, Men. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Diff, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Would it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I, I'm joking. Oh. Tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why? I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologise... He'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. Play a game. You hide. I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. What are you doing now? What are you? All right, so here we go. This is a film from 2022. Uh, it's from writer and director Alex Garland, who I got to say up front, I really like a lot of what I've seen, a lot of the work that I've seen from him. You know, going all the way back to 28 Days Later, though he was a writer on that. Sunshine, I love that movie. That's a that's a total badass movie. Even Dread, you know, he wrote Dread, the uh, 2012 film, and. You know, I don't know how accurate that is to the source material, the books, the comics, whatever, but I think the execution on that was pretty solid. Um, definitely love Ex Machina. Definitely love Annihilation. Those are two great films. Uh, really kind of high concept sci-fi. Uh, they're not very action-packed. Um, they're much more contemplative and thoughtful and deliberate. So I really appreciate the the kind of depths that those films are going to. Um, even Devs, you know, have you seen that? That's a, it's a really interesting series. It's really strange. It's kind of sci-fi, kind of uh, thriller. Uh, it's just very different, and I really like that too. So this is all I'm building up to. Like this, put a little bit more expectation than I might have uh, thought for this film. And, um, you know, I, I can kind of give you the premise very quickly um, that this is about a, a young woman, Harper, who uh, is played by Jesse Buckley, which I, I, I've, I've seen her in one other thing so far, but I feel like this is somebody that um, is doing some really interesting work and I want to see more of what she does. Um, but I saw her in, uh, was it The Lost Daughter? I think that was like one of the first episodes of Film Street. But here in this, Harper is someone who, we're not quite sure what her situation is, but she's staying in this remote cottage or, or this home uh, on the, like the English countryside. And we we learn throughout the film that she's on a retreat in a way. And we find out that her husband died. We find out that he died by suicide because of issues with their relationship. They were in a fight. They were having disagreements. They were not, they were on, they were people on two different paths. And 
that was his way of answering it. And it's maybe not even clear if he meant to do it or if it was even an accident. But the idea is that uh, the fallout with Harper and her trying to reconcile and, and come to terms with what has happened to her life now, uh, that's a big part of what drives the movie. And, and I say that because uh, she gets to this house, but the thing is she starts to run into other people, whether it's the owner of the home or the, the, like the landlord, whatever, whether it's um, a local priest or uh, a, she, there's a young boy, there's, there's just different characters that she runs into and they all have the same face. And it's not clear if it's because this is something that's actually happening or maybe this is something she's seen. I, and, and maybe that's, I don't know, my, my read on it is like, that's up to you. That's up to you how you want to interpret what we're seeing on screen. Like, is what we're seeing on screen reality or is that something in the character's head? It is kind of disturbing, though, because you see, uh, well, we're introduced to Jeffrey, who is the owner of the home, is kind of giving her a look around and showing her, you know, different parts of the property. And his name is Jeffrey. And when we see additional characters she runs into, whether it's a police officer or, or all these other people in this part of the country, they all have Rory Kinnear's face, uh, which is quite disturbing, especially on a child. Um, and the idea, I think, is that this is a woman who's overcome with grief and maybe remorse and maybe doubt. And it's manifesting itself through what she's seen in the world. We're introduced to what we think is a very quiet and solitary setting. But when we start to see it become surreal and even frightening, when it becomes horrifying, really, towards the end of the film, it all starts to unfurl and we start to see maybe the manifestation of her own grief and pain and struggle. And wow, I mean, I, I'll tell you this much. I mean, for all the setup on this character and what she's dealing with, this film totally takes a pretty huge left turn, like in the last act. I mean, it really gets wild. And and I just mean in terms of, I don't know what's happening now. Like, I don't know what I'm watching. And so in a way, I, I like the challenge and, and I feel like I'm probably going to need to see this again. But on first watch, I mean, it, does it does get confusing and and maybe that's just me maybe i just wasn't in the right head for it you know it happens i've talked about it before but uh i think the the themes of the film are are pretty powerful and i and i like the exploration of it i'm just not sure if this really kind of lands it by the end of the film so uh, it's more of a curiosity. Um, I would recommend it if you, especially if you like Alex Garland's film, if you like his work, this feels, uh, tonally, it feels very similar in a way. It's not really science fiction as much as some of the other stuff he's done, but, uh, it does work in those areas of dealing with struggle, dealing with emotions and dealing with uh, almost the surreal nature of how those things can, uh, how they can be represented in a physical state. You know what I mean? I, and, and maybe I'm thinking even like of Annihilation as a close partner to this, where, you know, the character in there, uh, Natalie Portman, she's a, a woman who's dealing with some of the things that have happened in her past, things that happened to her husband, and how that is all catching up to her. Maybe this is a similar thing, you know? Uh, so it's a recommendation very slightly. It's, I don't feel like it's as strong as a film as some of those others, but it's one that I would consider watching again, just to really wrap my head around it a little better. So, uh, so take that for what you will. Um, I saw this on Paramount plus, uh, I think it might be, I mean, I'm sure it's available in other places too, but that's, that's where I saw it. 
right, here we go. Film Streak 262. Clean. I'm still looking for answers. I just don't know the questions anymore. I've got blood on my hands. No matter how hard I try, I can't wash away the past. Sorry about the smell. I'm used to it. For your trouble. I'm good. Most guys I sponsor, they got a hard time doing work. But you, you got a different sort of malady. Yeah, it ain't the work, it's the letting go. Your grandma's gonna worry. You ain't my father. You find a way to make peace with it. Or it makes war with you. What's up? We close. I'm gonna have to open you up. What? It's a plan. We can never go home. Kill the girl and the old lady. Make it messy. I'm gonna make it right. Home protection. Hunting. A trash man. Wasn't always a trash man. I don't know why you me. You sent me to kill the Grim Reaper. You said find a way to make peace. I did. How'd you get this number? Same way I got your address. Boom. Okay, so um, this is a film by director Paul Solet. Paul Solet. Uh, from 2021, stars Adrian Brody, uh, is produced by Adrian Brody, is co-written by Adrian Brody, music by Adrian Brody. Like, what? Adrian, you all over this thing. And also we've got Glenn Fleschler, Michael T. Williamson's in this for a little bit, RZA's in this for a little bit. Um, it's an interesting film. It's kind of strange. It's kind of cool. I'm not really sure where I put it in terms of genre or style necessarily. But um, I can tell you this much. It it also impressed me in the way that it's clearly a, a low-budget, small-budget, independent film, but it really sells the vibe. It sells the tone that I think they were going for. And part of that is the 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 way it's shot, the way it's put together, but also the performances. We meet this character of Clean, played by Adrian Brody. He's a garbage man. Seems like he's kind of down on his luck, like he's almost kind of at a low point in his life. We're not really sure why. Through some flashbacks and through some some of the story, we start to understand, oh, well, he's, he's gone through some struggle. He's dealt with uh, issues with his family, with his daughter, with uh, crime, so on and so on. And you know, the thing is that we're seeing this character trying to trying to reconcile some of those things, which is kind of cool because um, it's given some range. Like we're seeing a little bit of what he was like in the past and what he's like today and seem a little bit like different people. But overall, I mean, the idea is that this guy is kind of just reluctant. He doesn't like the life that he has but it is the life that he has. So he's trying to make it work. When we're shown that he's lost his daughter in the past, and now he kind of keeps an eye on, keeps tabs on, just kind of watches out for a, a different young girl, a teenager. Hey. What's up, no school? The bus didn't come. Didn't come. Said service cuts. Stopped running it to the neighborhood. Grandma can't take you? The car's working. But it's fine, I can walk. 
You miss people? What? I mean, I always see you alone. Just wonder if you miss being around people. I am around people. Just seems like you wouldn't be alone, that's all. Like you'd have a girl, whatever. All that. Nah, I ain't really good at all that. This all takes place in, I think it's Utica, in New York. It's in the winter, and you feel it. I mean, the way it's shot, the the even just the... My guy, he drives a, a Buick GNX, and it's kind of old, kind of busted, but it's like, that's... Yeah, that feels right. Like, bombing around in one of those in the middle of winter in New York. And I think it comes across. They really do a good job of selling that in terms of the mood and the tone but also like the way people are like, it just feels like, man, winter comes and people get hard. They get cold. They get uh, angry. They get bitter. You know, I I don't know. It's like a seasonal thing. And maybe it's just in my head, but I feel like that's appropriate at least. And so here we have a character who's just uh, hit a wall. And yet he's trying to still kind of keep it going. He's still trying to find a way to move forward. And so while we're watching his story unfold, we're also introduced to Michael, who is a little bit of a, I guess, a drug dealer, a, a, a local crime lord. I don't know what the hell you call him. But he's got a son who's kind of getting into some trouble and getting into bad ways. And... uh Naturally, <laughs> the way the story works out is that Clean ends up running into a situation where he's got to take to some fools with a giant pipe wrench. And one of those fools is this other guy's son. And I'll tell you, man, I mean, there is just there's a there's a real subdued and, and nuanced tone to most of the film it takes this time. It's very deliberate, very patient, and setting up the story and the setting and all that stuff. But when the action kicks in, there are moments in the film where, like I said, he's got to tune some dudes up with a pipe wrench. Oh, man, it gets heavy. It gets brutal. that scene though where he runs through that house with that pipe wrench i mean it's it's about the music it's about the editing it's about the action but the result is that michael now the drug dealer is on to him because hey man you hit my son in the face with a wrench and now he's maimed for life now we got to deal with that and so that kind of sets up the the bigger showdown and and what clean is going to eventually have to do to get his life right all of that, okay? Uh, I'll say this. I mean, even the, the name of the character, the name of the film, is some metaphor stuff going on, okay? I mean, we see that Clean had an issue with drugs in the past, and maybe that's what led to his losing his daughter. So now he's clean, literally, but also he's out here cleaning up the streets, so it's a little on the nose, but at the same time, you know, I, I kind of feel like if you look at it this way, 
Like maybe this is one of the better, like low key superhero films. You know that it, it it follows the pattern or the mold of like a superhero origin story in a way. I mean, you think of something like Unbreakable, right? It's more aligned with that than like a Marvel movie, even though it's really, really buried underneath what's actually happening. It's not on the surface very much at all. So maybe that's even me just reading into it. I'm impressed also that like Adrian Brody, who is like way deep in this film, like he's got his hands all over it, which is nice because I I like to see someone who's known for one thing doing other stuff and, and really exercising the creative input and creative oversight to really make something theirs. So I like that. I mean, I'm impressed by it. Um, and I don't, I don't even know if it was even in theaters or if it's just been on streaming, but uh, it's one that I, I would probably sit and watch again, actually. Something about the tone of it, it just feels like it all lines up. Like, it all makes sense. So for me, that's a recommendation. That's clean. Uh, I saw that on Hulu. I think it's on AMC+. Plus. It, may, it may be other places, too. But, uh, but otherwise, yeah, check it out. Okay, so next up on Film Streak, here we go. 263, Fresh. The women in our parents' generation, they just... They were more into femininity. You know what I mean? Hmm. Because I think you would just look great in a dress. You but I mean, if you were pretty much done, actually, thank you. If it's cool, I'm just gonna snag these leftovers. Let me know how you do it, Molly. Do what? Dating people. No, no. You do not need a man, okay? So don't play the games. Just be you straight out the gate. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. That was terrible. It was kind of terrible. What's his Instagram? I want to stalk a little bit. Just have one. Say what? Yeah. Oh, no. See, that's that's shady. Let's play a game. Tell me something you don't want me to know. I hate this. Okay. <laughs> Put all our hopes in finding happiness through someone else. Yeah. Girl, you are all digmatized, and I haven't even seen this dude. What's going on? I'm going to tell you, but you're going to freak out. No, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's happening. No games. Know what you wanted? It's about giving. Giving yourself over to somebody. Becoming one forever. That's love. Love this shit. a straight girl's fantasy come true, right? Okay, and this is a film directed by Mimi Cave, starring Daisy Edgar-Jones, Sebastian Stan. And, uh, you know, if you don't know any of the, the premise of the film, you haven't, like, looked into it at all, I would say that's probably for the better. That's going to make this a much better watch. And I say that because the film... Starts out as one kind of thing, and then it really takes a turn into a whole different territory. And it does so with a little bit of style, a little bit of grace, but also just a sledgehammer to the face, you know? And I'll tell you this, um, the basic premise, as it at least starts out, is that we meet um, Noah, who's a young woman who's just kind of living her life, and... You know, the first scene, I think, it's like she's on a on a date through like a dating app and it's not going well. She's clearly discouraged and just not really uh, not really comfortable with that kind of situation. So we're getting a little bit of a, of a look at what maybe like contemporary modern dating culture is like and, and using technology and all that stuff. And how it can be not very uh, inviting. And Noah clearly represents that as someone who's not uh, comfortable with this kind of thing. And she'd rather have like a real connection. And a little bit later into the film, she meets a person that 
all of a sudden fits all of those criteria. Really seems like a great match. And that is Steve. Steve, played by Sebastian Stan, who at first seems like a really uh, easygoing, charismatic guy that kind of checks all the boxes. From there, we start to see a, a, a relationship form, and it seems very genuine. It seems very earnest and honest. Once they decide, uh, you know what, let's let's take a trip. Let's go out of town for the weekend or whatever. The film takes its time. I got to say that. The film really takes its time to get us to that point. I mean, put it this way. The title card, when we see the title of the film, is 33 minutes into the film. That's how much setup we're doing to meet these characters, to understand them, to see their relationship turn into something. And then we get the title of the film, and then we get the sledgehammer. And I won't tell you too much about it, because I think part of the fun of the film is going for that ride. But uh, their relationship turns really, uh, really dark. And I would say, I mean, if you wanted to really boil it down, maybe oversimplify it even, you could say, well, Steve is not who he says he is. Sure, that's part of it. We should go away somewhere. Would you want to? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um... Fuck it, why not? I mean, where? Wherever. Somewhere, somewhere nice, somewhere fun. Maybe it'll be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going away with Steve for the weekend. What? Where? Uh, it's a surprise. Hold on, Noah. Uh-uh. A surprise? I don't like that. I'm just gonna go for it. You said fuck it, remember? Girl, you all digmatized and I haven't even seen this dude. Oh, shit, I totally forgot. Hold on. Sending you a picture of him. I mean, he looks cute, but I can barely even tell, you creep. Um, he's ridiculously cute. Like, I'll, um... I'll text you once we get there and let you know everything, okay? Okay, fine. Uh, And we also have uh, her friend that is kind of living uh, vicariously through her relationship here, uh, Molly, who is um, giving her tips and giving her like, hey, you need to do this and and watch out for this and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, the things that are real considerations for people in the world today. So Molly represents maybe the audience in that sense of like, she's not the one caught up in this romance or whatever. She's seen real for real. So that's another facet to the story that becomes really interesting as it goes on. So all those things add up to uh, a film that, I mean, whether it's the choice of music or the pitch black humor in the film, that is so dark, so twisted. But... It it kind of works. I mean, I'll give it this. Like, I don't really know Daisy Edgar Jones from much. I know she was in um, uh, was it like a War of the Worlds, uh, series? Uh, I say remake, but it was a series. I think from like the BBC or a British version. So I remember her from that very loosely. Um, there's some film that she came out in last year, the year before, where all I know is the posters kind of got her making like a weird, dumb face on it. It's not to say her face is dumb, but on the poster, it just looks like odd. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Sebastian Stan, on the other hand, I mean, most people probably first really caught wind of him from the Captain America films, right? As uh, Bucky Barnes and then the Winter Soldier and whatever and whatever. And for me, I think that's probably where I first recognized him from. And I kind of thought, oh man, here's a guy who's going to get stuck in this lane somehow. But in the years since those films really hit and became a part of 
the landscape. He's done some very interesting work outside of that. That is, is at least told me like, okay, this guy's got more to him. He's not just uh, one of these Marvel actors that, you know, that's his bread and butter. You know, there is stuff like I, Tanya, or even the, I think, yeah, he was in the Pam and Tommy Lee thing, right? Um, and there's been a few films here and there where he's really shown different sides of himself. I mean, I just talked about one not too long ago in another episode, um, Sharper, which uh, he's really, he really stands out in that, really pushes that film forward. So here he's playing a very different character and a character that has a lot of range because we see one side of this person and then we see a whole different, uh, much darker, much more sinister side. And he makes them both work. He makes it feel like it's the same person. And so it's not so much of a cartoon. He's really holding it together as a, as a performer. I'll just say the thing that impressed me about the film itself overall is that it's not afraid to go there. You know, uh, I talked in another episode about that film Ghosted, right? And that's a film about two characters who meet and they go out on a date and they find a relationship and they start to, you know, have a bond and all that stuff. And then it becomes this weird spy thriller, but just really soft shoeing it the whole time. Uh, this film it follows a similar pattern in a way. Like we're introduced to these two characters and they go on a date and then they find this relationship and they start to have a real bond. And then they decide to go out on this trip and then it totally takes a left turn. And I'll say though, uh, it's not afraid. It doesn't pull punches. This film that matter of fact, I, I personally think like this film moved faster than I was ready for. <laughs> there are certain things that are said that are going to happen. And you think, okay, well, that's probably going to be like the end of the film. That's going to be maybe a climactic moment. No, it happens like in the next scene. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait. This is too much. This is too fast. But the film isn't, it's not afraid to take you there. And that's what I got to say. I, I think that's impressive. So without getting into too much of like what actually happens, I, I, I like the idea of like going into this cold because I think it's a film that really reveals itself and naturally works in that way. And so to kind of give it all to someone ahead of time, maybe it's a disservice. So I, all I would say is I recommend this one. I'd say check it out. Uh, it's on Hulu. I, I don't know if it's, it might be like a Hulu exclusive, but it, you, know, you may be able to find it somewhere else. Yeah, go do that. Go check it out. All right. So next up here, we've got Filmstreak 264, Air. You know when you get a feeling? I'm doing this 20 years. I've never had a feeling like this. You're gonna see exactly what I see. Which is what? Greatness. I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made. What's the plan? We build a shoe line around just him. For a rookie who's never set foot on an NBA court. Who's the player? Michael Jordan. We can't get Michael Jordan. I'm thinking of reaching out to the parents. You talk directly to the family, you're gonna lose your job. Do you typically show up at people's front doors unannounced? I, I was told not to call. Oh, man, here we go. Every once in a while, someone comes along that's so extraordinary that it forces change because they are so very special. A shoe is just a shoe. Until my son steps into it. Air, rated R. Exclusively in theaters April 5th. All right, so this is a film directed by Ben Affleck. Came out this year, 2023. And look, who doesn't not star? It's got Ben Affleck, obviously. Uh, Matt Damon, Viola Davis. Jeez, uh, who else is in this? Chris Tucker's in this. Uh, Jason Bateman, Marlon Wayans. There's a lot of people in this film. And I think part of the uh, significance of this, I mean, not only because it's recounting this story of Sonny Varcaro, who worked for Nike, and how he either found or recognized 
the talent of Michael Jordan and brought him to Nike and made his own shoe and all that stuff, you know, the, the brand and the product and the impact on popular culture, all that stuff. Sure. Okay. That's important. That's the story. But I think also this film, you keep in mind, like this is a little bit of a, of a journey into some uncharted waters now in terms of the production, in terms of actually making this film. If you keep up with it, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, uh, who've known each other for decades and have worked in different aspects of the film industry, like they're really taking this as their first leap into a new way of not only making films, but making films where everybody is compensated and recognized uh, adequately and fairly. And so this is part of their, uh, I think it's called Artist Equity production company. So it's really taken a new approach to this kind of outside of the maybe traditional or conventional approach to filmmaking in terms of economics and uh, rights and crediting and contracts and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's really trying to do some things differently. And I'm sure a lot of whether that concept or that way of thinking hands out or not, might depend on how successful this film is. But just as a viewer uh, watching it, oh man, I love this film. I mean, it's great in terms of not only capturing the era, you know, we're talking about what, the, like the early 80s, mid 80s, getting all the like pop culture references right, getting all the settings right, the the wardrobe, you know, everything really feels accurate to the era and to the time, but uh, also capturing the the thinking, the, the mentality. I mean, you got to think, right? If we're talking about like, I think, was it like 1984? But there's a point in this film where it's, it's really a, a big part of the conversation that no, nobody knows who Michael Jordan is, or only a few people know who he is. And to live in today's world, I mean, we're talking about, what, 40 years later, you have to think there was a time where Michael Jordan was not a name that everybody knew. And to think that there's one guy at Nike who was able to spot that, this guy, Sonny, really understood, no, there's something very different about this this kid. And to even go so far as to predict that, right? To predict, like, these are the things you're going to do in your life, in your career, and Nike wants to be there with you when you do it. To put it like that, like, that's really bold. And, and it shows, uh, one, it shows, I guess, maybe the courage to, to make a statement like that, but also the foresight to know in terms of uh, building a brand or building a product, like, you have to think, several steps ahead. And here, I think, um, the way the film lays it out, at least, uh, it's borderline magical, the way it all worked out. I'm willing to bet my career on Michael Jordan. Oh, come on, man. You ask me what I do here. This is what I do. I find you players, and I fucking feel it this time. Okay, it's risky. When you were selling sneakers out of the back of your Plymouth, that was risky. It took balls. I mean, that's why we're all here. Don't change that now. Don't. I mean, if you look at him, if you really look at Jordan, like I did, you're going to see exactly what I see. Which is what? The most competitive guy I have ever seen. He is a fucking killer. Like, you almost couldn't have expected. It's like one of those things, like, you couldn't have written it. The way it all played out and, and things lined up and it became a not just uh, not just a success for one man, for one athlete, but also not, not even for a sport. I mean, it really became a thing where Michael Jordan, the brand, the shoe, it transcended sports. It became a, a pop culture icon going into other aspects of entertainment and fashion and all those things. And so it's like, it's really profound, I think, how much of an effect these events, as portrayed in this film, have had on a lot of society in a weird way. And maybe that's a little, you know, high-minded uh, way to talk about it. But I, I, you look back. I mean, you you have to recognize that. 
maybe you don't agree with it. Maybe you don't even like Michael Jordan as an athlete or as a, uh, you know, the, a basketball player. But um, you can't deny that. I mean, it's really been a thing that caught on in such a big way that it's impossible to imagine it any other way. And so at least this film has has some fun with showing us how those events played out, but at least it's it's also trying to relate how important those things were. Like these events that happened, why they mean something now, 40 years later. All the all the ramifications of what these people are doing in this moment in 1984, look what happened since then. In those terms, the film is a success, and it's it, but it's also fun to watch. It's entertaining. It keeps moving. It's it's got great performances, got great writing. It gives you just enough of a peek behind the curtain of how Nike worked at the time and how they came up with products and how they looked for talent and and all that stuff. So uh, I think it's a great film. It's definitely a recommendation um, for me. Um, I think. I think that is like an Amazon exclusive. So maybe that's where that's the one place to see is Amazon prime. So check that one out for sure. Um, that's without a doubt. That's probably one of the better films I've seen in a little while. Okay. Next up film streak, two sixty five, plane. Captain Torrance. How can I help you? Fugitive extradition. Boy, is he dangerous? What did he do? Homicide 15 years ago. I don't want to scare the rest of the passengers. I'm afraid you're stuck with us, Captain. This is your captain speaking. The seatbelt signs have been turned on. We just lost an engine. Losing altitude. This island's run by separatists and militias. For my passengers, my responsibility. Gonna need your help. You're gonna need this. Why'd they lock you up? No one cares what really happened. We're getting off this island. Plane, we did our. No need to worry, folks. These planes are pretty much indestructible. Only in theaters January 13th. Okay, so this is another new film. Uh, pretty recent here, 2023. It's directed by, uh, let's see, Jean-Francois Richet. Richet. Uh, has Gerard Butler, Mike Coulter. This one is a film that some of these with the one word titles, I just feel like we didn't know what else to call it. It's got a plane in it. Let's call it plane. Some of these films, like like Men, for instance, I'm not really sure where that title came from. It feels like there's a lot more conceptually going on with what that title means. This one, pretty obvious. There's a plane in it. Let's call it plane. And so here we've got uh, Gerard Butler. He plays Brody, who's a pilot. He's a father. He's a widower. And he's just making his last trip back home to be with his daughter. And it turns out he's actually a very uh, capable guy. He's very thoughtful. He's good to the crew that he flies with. But when it comes to getting tested, that's where the, uh, the drama of the film comes up. Because as they're on this flight home, they get struck by lightning, plane loses power, and they have to make an emergency landing. And that whole sequence of the trouble in the air, and then how do they, how do they manage that and then where how do they land they're over the ocean so where are they going to land and then they end up finding a small island they land there turns out they're in the philippines whoa okay it's not where we were going and uh you kind of think well that's like the main thing of the film is a plane crash like how do we survive this plane crash well that's really not it at all i mean that's the beginning of the film Turns out once they land on this island, it's in the Philippines, but it's not run by the Philippine government. Apparently it's like got separatists, rebels or whatever. There's no law there. There's no order. The passengers end up getting taken hostage. Brody and Mike Coulter, who plays a convict who is in transit back to the U.S., they free him. 
because the thinking is, well, I'm going to go look for help. I'm taking you with me. So you're not around the passengers. You're at least with me. And if you run away, fine. (laughs) I don't know about a lot of the logic in the film, some of the decisions. I don't even know if the airplane emergency lightning strike thing, if that's even realistic. The landing itself, like how they actually get the plane safely on the ground, that seems like real movie territory now. But I'll say that at least it's giving Gerard Butler, you know, here's the thing. It's nice on one hand to see someone who's very principled and, and wants to be the guy to do the right thing, to save his passengers or to help his crew. Very dutiful in that way. And so... I, you know, that's the only real nuance to the character. Otherwise, it's like a guy just trying to make it out of this alive. Otherwise, it's all about the plot and just how things happen and who is where and what are they doing. And there's this other subplot about, I don't know, the people back home, like the the government or different agencies or no, well, they're like private military contractors, right? They're sent in to rescue these people. So I guess it's from the airline. And, uh, I I don't know. I don't know if that really all even made sense or is realistic or not, but, um, it, if you back out of all of that, just zoom out a little bit and just think, okay, well, let's not worry about all that so much. Let's not worry about the logic and reason, Let's just go for the ride. In that sense, maybe it's okay. It's kind of an adequate action thriller. Um, I don't know if it's something I'd really line up to watch again at any point, but it's it's all right, you know? If you just need something to watch, maybe you just like Gerard Butler movies. Um, maybe you kind of like this this vein of action movies with just a little bit older than expected action stars, you know, the kind of Liam Neeson territory. I feel like this is one of those in a way, you know, and it's not, not that I think like Gerard Butler is old or older, but that's the character that I feel like he's playing. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I could really recommend this. I mean, maybe just uh, as a casual watch, I wouldn't go into it looking for anything really deep, you know, and, Actually, uh, think about it. The beginning of this is they're at the airport. They're doing all the, the pre-flight checks and they're introducing themselves to each other. And like, this is the situation. These are the passengers. This is whatever. And if you've ever seen the film 7500, which I think is on Amazon Prime, that stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's about a plane, I think a hijacking, if I remember right. But the beginning of the film, or or a significant part of the film, is almost just showing us the tedium of being on a flight crew or being on the flight deck of of a jetliner, and like all the things you got to do, all the processes you got to follow, all of the commands you have to issue, and the, you know all the the chatter with air traffic control, all the radio work that has to be done. It, it kind of gets into the tedium of that. And this film does that a little bit also. So I feel like that's at least trying to ground it some, trying to set some level of reality to it. Of course, once things start getting wild up in the air, then, all right, we're into movie territory. But like, give me a little bit of the reality, just so I kind of know that you know or, or presumably know what you're doing here. Sometimes it can feel like uh, like the shoe leather, you know? It's like, I, this is, none of this is necessary. Why are we watching this? But I think it's important, especially with a film like this, where it gets so wild uh, towards the end, or in the let's say the the second and third act, you got to have a little bit to kind of get us into the world and get us comfortable with like okay the characters and what they're doing. All right, I don't know. So it's a very mild recommendation, maybe. Um, if this just by the trailer doesn't look like your type of film, then hey, don't worry about it. It's all good. All right, so that was a lot of films to cover. I don't know if they all had necessarily a a thing or a theme or a through line that ties them all together. They do have one thing in common, 
And if you figured that out already, good, good for you. If you haven't, that's all right. Uh, give it a minute. It shouldn't take long. You'll figure it out. So, uh, look, hey, if you have any thoughts on that, if you, I don't know, you have a different take on some of these, comments at filmstreak.com. Send an email there. Uh, or you can go to filmstreak.com directly and find this episode, leave a comment there. That's cool. Um, otherwise, hey, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. And uh, watch something new.